Hey everybody, how are you? Hope uh, this is finding you well. This is the Friends Indeed podcast. I'm Rabbi Joshua Levine Grader. So nice to have you with us uh, today. So Friends Indeed, we are an interfaith organization here in the city of Pasadena, California. And uh, we provide uh, critical needs services uh, to support our most uh, vulnerable neighbors, homeless and at risk, uh, helping them uh, to rebuild their lives. And everything we do is with compassion, connection, and dignity. I'm very proud to be the executive director of Friends Indeed, and uh, nice to have you with us here uh, on the program. So for those that don't know, I think most uh, people know, before I was the executive director of Friends Indeed, which I started in uh, 2017, I was a pulpit rabbi. Uh, worked in a synagogue for 16 years, both in New York uh, and then 12 years here uh, in Pasadena. And as as a rabbi in the congregation and in the community, long before I came uh, to Friends Indeed, I was someone who was very active in social justice issues. Uh, it was always important to me to take the message of our tradition, uh, the Torah, the Bible, the uh, long-standing uh, tradition of Jewish values that uh, talk about tikkun olam, about repairing the world. And I was uh, active uh, both um, in the community, uh, doing action, as well as uh, from the pulpit and in my writings, uh, giving sermons, uh, talks, classes, essays, uh, articles, uh, that would often uh, address uh, the issues of the day um, from a uh, social justice perspective and from a uh, religious traditional uh, uh, perspective. So I've been thinking that uh, in looking back over my, my career, I have... Uh, talked about a lot of things that relate to uh, the work here at Friends Indeed, even before I knew about Friends Indeed. And for this program, I thought I would do something I don't normally do, which is I went through my writings, my previous uh, writings, of which I have, uh, those that I have, and I was looking for something that uh, related to what I wanted to talk about and think about today in regards uh, to food insecurity and to hunger. And, um, you know, uh, it's hard to believe it's November, but we're getting ready to uh, have Thanksgiving in a few weeks. And so uh, that's uh, on my mind as well. And I found this sermon that I gave uh, in the year 2005, uh, so that's already, uh, what, 17 years ago. And it's always been on my mind uh, since I gave it um, because um, the, the, the concept uh, really jumped out at me and has, it has stuck with me. And I want to share this with you. So I don't often do this, but um, I'm going to share this sermon. And I hope that you'll, you'll stick with it and listen. Uh, and the, the topic is quite relevant, uh, for sure, 
to uh, not only the work at Friends Indeed, but to the challenges that we continue to have as we try to solve the problems uh, in the world of, of hunger, but also in our nation, where so many people, including so many uh, children, go to bed uh, hungry. So this is called uh, hypomania. So I was recently walking through Gelson's, one of the nicest supermarkets in the country, and I had, let's say, a religious experience. I stopped to look at the nearly 40 different kinds of bottled water, over 100 different kinds of cereal, countless kinds of toothpaste, and wondered why do we need all these choices? I'm thinking about decisions that we make as a community, as a nation, as a world. And I'm thinking about this question. Are we doing God's will when we have so much and others have nothing? So as I wandered down aisle after aisle, I became aware of the opportunities we have to end poverty, sickness, and hunger. Gelson's such an awesome place. It's the highest of high in the supermarket business a place where everything looks so neat and ordered, the staff so polite and helpful, and thankfully, it is a place that actually is socially conscious. Bernie Gelson has been honored uh, in our community and around Los Angeles as a giant of justice. Yet it was precisely in this Gelson's shopping experience that I was having this religious moment, a moment that stopped me in my tracks and called me to sit and write this sermon. I wrote it at Gelson's. They have nice tables, areas to sit, and uh, eat some of their wonderful food. Seeing the marvelous choices that exist at Gelson's, for those who can afford to shop there, I was reminded again of the notion that if we give up some of our choices voluntarily, maybe we only have 10 options of bottled water instead of 40. Maybe we have just 10 types of toothpaste Maybe we only have 20 choices of cereal, if we even need that many. How many of the men, women, and especially children, millions who die every year from a lack of drinkable water, of healthy food, of rotting teeth, and infection might have a chance to live? Would it really kill us to make that decision? It is certainly killing others not to make it. So in a New York Times book review article that I read uh, about a book called uh, 300 Million Maniacs by the author William Salatin, I read about two psychiatrists who are researching hypomania, a diagnosis which they make on our entire society, one that's defined as, quote, a condition that's characterized by a persistent high that is short of the full-blown mania of manic depression and not routinely followed by a depressive low, end quote. Both men are looking at whether the American culture, which is driven by production, long hours, cutthroat competition, is something inherent in the biology of our people, or a perversion of that biology which our culture is encouraging. One doctor, John Gartner of Johns Hopkins University, argues like the social Darwinists of the 19th century, that our form of capitalism is natural, 
not cultural. He says, quote, I would attribute the number of hours Americans work to what I call the immigrant work drive, an internal biological compulsion passed from parent to child through their hypomaniac genes. The drive for success in business that some call the American character, Gartner says, is really a genetically based American temperament. The other doctor, Peter Wybrow of UCLA, has a different argument. He agrees with Gartner that America is suffering from hypomania, but that it is our creation, not something we're genetically programmed for. Similar to 19th century critics of capitalism, Dr. Wybrow sees our economic success as a perversion of nature. He says that temperament and character are different. Genes shape temperament, but culture shapes character. He says that American energy and self-interest may be innate, but our crazy society converts our temperament into crazy work hours. Dr. Wybrow asserts, quote, We have replaced the communities and local markets that once circumscribed our material craving with an impersonal global economy that inflames our craving into mania. Our culture is misdirecting our biology and is destroying it. We've become sleep-deprived, anxious, and fat. One psychiatrist thinks that hypomania is productive, while another sees it as dangerous. I tend to agree with the latter, and I want to expand on the shortened thesis that I gleaned from this article. So let's go back to Gelson's for a moment. It's clear that our hypomania drive is producing an exorbitant amount of food products. The one thing that I've always hear newcomers to America comment on is the number of choices you have in your supermarkets. This would be a plus for Dr. Gardner, who says that our drive is a genetic temperament in our genes, one that pushes us to create and invent to no end. Yet, do we have a subsequent gene? that allows us to realize that perhaps our gluttonous choices could be redirected to feed the millions that are hungry in our world, including right here in our country. I recently heard one commentator say that while the third world dies of starvation, we in the West, and particularly in America, are dying of obesity and overeating. What would it take? to give up some of our choice so that more people could live healthy lives. And this is where I think our religious values come in. When some people have too much and others not enough, only those of us in the power position can make the choice to change the situation. I'm talking about a social revolution one that brings about a better distribution of wealth and resources, one that ensures there are no slaves, no masters. Is this something that's going to happen tomorrow? Obviously not. But it is something that we can all help to create, for it involves the choices we make and the limiting of those choices for the benefit of others. So there are messages that change throughout time, and there are those that stay the same. This message, namely that we can and must do something to right the imbalanced wrongs of our world, especially in this age of globalization and free market economy, is a universal message. That is, of course, 
until we heed the call and make the changes that will rectify the situation, or at least begin to. In many places in the books of the prophets, there is a discussion of how greedy we are, how much we take for granted, how much we don't give back when we have been blessed with abundance, how much we hoard, how many times tithes are not given. And one prophet in particular, Malachi, he says that in not sharing, we are actually defrauding God. We're not living up to our side of the holy covenant And yet we continue to complain and whine that God doesn't do enough for us. God challenges us to fulfill our part of the covenant in order to see the blessings that God has for us. The floodgates will open and the blessings will pour upon us. And today, what is our part of the covenant? I believe it's the same challenge. Are we giving enough of our wealth and bounty back to the divine, namely back to a place that can distribute it to those who are suffering, this is our curse, our defrauding. We can go on wondering how can we end poverty and hunger, or we can begin to do it. We can go on wondering how to end illness and suffering, or we can begin to do it, and it can be right here at home in our community. So I invite you to this challenge, to limit your choices. Limit your spending. Limit your choices. Perhaps for every food item that you purchase for yourself, purchase another one for friends indeed, or to give to someone on the street. Talk to your friends, your family. Challenge them to do the same. Talk to the managers of your local supermarket and see if we can create together a system where we ask for there to be less choice and encourage them to donate food for those who have none. If our economic system had a little less profit and a little more prophetic, we would all be the richer for us. So, the degree to which one is sensitive to other people's suffering, to other humans' humanity, is the index of our own humanity. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel said that in his essay, Who is Man? Heschel went on to say something I've always found interesting. He instructs us that our humanity is ultimately wrapped up not just in being, as Shakespeare wrote in Hamlet, but in how to be and how not to be, which is what God wrote long before Hamlet. Hope is the grounding force of our existence. It's always guiding us. It's prodding us. It's reminding us that it's never too late to be better, to be holier, to be kinder, to be even more human. And that's our challenge in this time. May we have the strength and the courage to do it for the sake of all those who are hungry. Let's choose less so we can give more.
So that's how the sermon ended. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is the Friends Indeed podcast. I'm Rabbi Joshua Levine Grader. Stay with us. So as we prepare for the special day of Thanksgiving, here at Friends Indeed, we are proud to be able to support our food pantry clients, providing them with turkeys and with some uh, side dishes to go with that for their Thanksgiving meal. So we are hoping to give away 350 to 400 turkeys. So uh, we're proud to partner with the Pasadena JCs and uh, some other local officials and communities that uh, supply us with turkeys, but we can always use more. So if you want to uh, make a donation uh, of a turkey uh, this year to Friends Indeed, uh, please uh, reach out to our food pantry director, Tim Nissler. You can email him at timn at friendsindeedpas.org, and he will tell you how you can make your donation. So uh, do that. We're going to be giving it uh, the, the turkeys away the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So uh, we'll need to have your donation before that. Again, Tim Nissler, our food pantry director. Tim N. at friendsindeedpas.org. Thank you so much. So welcome back to the Friends Indeed podcast. I'm Rabbi Joshua Levine Grader. So in looking to tie this together, uh, the idea of too many choices uh, for us in the, the developed wealthy world uh, that leads to not enough choice or no choice for those living in the developing world or the much poorer countries, I went looking uh, for, uh, for some inspiration information, and in doing that, I came across uh, a TED Talk um, from uh, Professor Barry Schwartz, who is a, a psychologist and a professor of social theory at Swarthmore College. And he gave a talk based on his 2004 book, which goes back to what my talk that I gave in 2005, uh, from his book called The Paradox of Choice. And he really says a lot of what I, I'm feeling, that why is it that societies of great abundance, where individuals are offered more freedom and choice than ever before, if that was the case in 2004 and five, imagine right now, that we are now witnessing a near epidemic of depression. Conventional wisdom tells us that greater choice is for the greater good, but Dr. Schwartz argues the opposite. He makes a compelling case that the abundance of choice in today's Western world is actually making us miserable. He says that infinite choice is paralyzing and exhausting for the human psyche. And his example, similar to mine, salad dressing, the number of food options on our shelves, underscore the central point that too much choice actually undermines happiness. So I thought I would uh, play a clip from his TED Talk and uh, have you hear what he has to say in his own language and um, to, to relate it to what I'm talking about, that the idea that us 
in the developed, wealthy countries, if we can just cut back on the number of choices that we have in regards to daily items, particularly food, drink, medicine, uh, toiletries, then imagine how much more would be available to those who have little to no choice. So let's uh, take a listen to some of Barry Schwartz's TED Talk. Let me remind you, this is the official dogma, the one that we all take to be true, and it's all false. It is not true. There's no question that some choice is better than none, but it doesn't follow from that that more choice is better than some choice. There's some magical amount. I don't know what it is. I'm pretty confident that we have long since passed the point where options improve our welfare. Now, as a policy matter, I'm almost done. As a policy matter, the thing to think about is this. What enables all of this choice in industrial societies is material affluence. There are lots of places in the world, and we have heard about several of them, where the, their problem is not that they have too much choice. Their problem is that they have too little. So the stuff I'm talking about is the peculiar problem of modern, affluent Western societies. And what is so frustrating and infuriating is this. Steve Levitt talked to you yesterday about how these expensive and difficult to install car, uh, uh, infants, child seats don't help. It's a waste of money. What I'm telling you is that these expensive, complicated choices, it's not simply that they don't help. They actually hurt. They actually make us worse off. If some of what enables people in our societies to make all of the choices we make were shifted to societies in which people have too few options, not only would those people's lives be improved, but ours would be improved also. This is what economists call a Pareto improving move. Income redistribution will make everyone better off, not just poor people, because of how all this excess choice plagues us. Redistribution, which is a kind of a taboo word, he says, will make everyone's lives better. I really love that that piece uh, from Professor Schwartz. And I began by talking about hypomania, that, that the, the constant, uh, overwhelming number of choices that we have are just, um, they're not making our lives better. And to the extent that we could limit, choose to limit our choices by not having 50 tubes of toothpaste available to us, maybe we only have 20. Maybe we only have 10, so that other people in the world can have some toothpaste. Maybe we don't need 50, 60, a whole aisle of breakfast cereals, or chips, or cookies, or any of the things that we see that uh, just go on for the entire aisle, the same product. If we had less of those, perhaps we could be feeding more people, not just in faraway places, but right here in our own communities, that there would be food and items of necessity that could be provided and made available to those with none. We choose less 
so other people can have more. I think it's a good message. It's a message I was talking about 17 years ago, and people have been talking about, obviously, way before me. Dr. Schwartz was talking about it 17, 18 years ago. And um, we haven't learned. And so I hope in some way this... uh, this episode at least gives you something to think about uh, the next time you go into the grocery store, be it Gelson's or not. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Friends Indeed podcast. I'm so glad that uh, you were here listening. So if you liked what you heard, please do uh, share it with friends, family, neighbors, anyone that you think might be interested, not only in this uh, episode, but in the work of Friends Indeed. We uh, would really appreciate it. But if you did like this, uh, go and uh, subscribe or like it on your podcast, uh, uh, wherever you get those, and share it on social media. If you want to learn more about what we do at Friends Indeed, you can go to our website, friendsindeedpas.org. We're also on Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. And uh, we'd love to have you get involved and even sign up for our mailing list so we can uh, keep you up to date on uh, all the work that we're doing in the community. So I wish everybody well. I'm Rabbi Joshua Levine Grader. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next time.